Boy, I got to tell you, I love the phrase that he uses on his LinkedIn profile. Have you seen this? We're going to talk about this a little bit. Quote, mediocre disc jockey slash U-Haul driver. Unquote. This is how he describes 1976 through 1984. Seriously. I promise you, it took off from there. His career, everything. Uh, today's guest is certainly known in country music radio circles and a few other circles that we'll talk about too, but he's a lot more than that. A lot of experience at all levels of the radio business, some stories to share, and he's semi-retired. So we might get him to tell all. I don't know. It could happen. That's an ideal person for us to talk to on the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. Are you ready to enjoy any of our episodes? This is all you need. You only need to be interested in others, want to grab some thoughts and wisdom about how others are being successful in radio right now. Welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. Listen, what you're about to hear will be focused on lifting you up, giving you good advice, and hearing the stories of an amazing radio pro while uncovering the path forward in radio right now. My name is Lloyd Ford. I'm with Rainmaker Pathway. And listen, if you're in radio today, this is no secret. You're likely doing more than one or even more than two jobs. You need something extra to help you. We don't call ourselves consultants. We're a multiplier that works with local radio uh, to help people just like you grow more value for your time and your efforts. The work we do is on both sides of the business, increasing the value you get from having us on your team. Do you want to grow more revenue? Are, are you positioned to collect absolutely the most revenue in your market? Hey, how can we help? Programming and sales strategy and creating work culture that grows revenue and value. The great sports teams, they have an excellent offense and an excellent defense. And by the way, it takes both to be a consistent winner. Our first consultation is free and we are market exclusive for radio. Tell us your problems. We're listening F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. Our thanks to Joe Kelly for producing our podcast events and JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing them. Look, we're less than a minute away from talking with Jerry McCracken, Program Director Emeritus. I'm not making this up. Cumulus, Savannah, Georgia, and so much more. See our full guest calendar all the way into, I think we're in the middle of May right now. We love to schedule these ahead of time so you can see by going and, and looking at our schedule at RainmakerPathway.com. You can see all the people coming up. And of course, this episode that you're listening to right now marks episode 100. So it's kind of a, it's like a milestone for us. It's kind of cool. And I think altogether appropriate for the guests that we have. Look, we don't lock anything away on our site the way some other consultants do. That's because we believe in um, a theory of abundance. Ask me about it. I'd be glad to share it with you. Go to RainmakerPathway.com anytime. See what you can get for free from our team. Jerry. Welcome to the Encouragers and the Radio Rally. How are you? I am fine. Boy, I tell you, we go back. We've chewed a lot of the same dirt, haven't we? Well, I, you know, we have had some experiences in this business for sure. And I'm <laughs> excited to, to get down to it. And, and look, I always start here. Where are you originally from and how did radio enter your life, Jerry? I am originally from Newcastle, Pennsylvania. 
Western PA, about 40 miles north of Pittsburgh. And uh, I wanted to get into radio since I was uh, probably seven or eight years old. I'd take my dad's car keys and uh, go out to the garage and uh, listen to, you know, WLS and WCFL and WNBC, WBZ, you know, all these radio stations and uh, wear down my dad's car battery and just think how cool it would be to be this guy that's sitting in Chicago someplace. It was magical, you know, and it's just it was something I always wanted to do. And uh, go ahead. Look, look, even even if people want to try to take the magic away, I got to be honest with you. It's still magic. It is. I, yeah, it's magic to the point that I can't explain why how, how it gets from the microphone to the transmitter still after 45 years. So. All right. So look, look, in the very beginning. OK, we're talking about little Jerry now. Mm-hmm. What was your goal? in the radio business did you want to program did you want to do something else in the business what were you thinking you think i just i just wanted to be a disc jockey you know like one of the disc jockeys i would hear you know on the radio so i i got into it in high school and we got uh you know we we, we got out of high school six six weeks early if we could get a job or if we could uh you know if we could intern someplace and I got uh, into a, a radio station, a little 5,000-watt radio station that was managed by a guy named Terry Abrams, whose two sons, Keith and Chris, you probably know, are yes. uh, program directors at different radio stations, different companies right now. Yeah. And um, uh, that was, that was you know, that was the start of it. Really? Now, I, look, I forgot this about you. You spent two years working for JCOR. What was that experience like for you? That was that was the first uh, that that was my first real experience in programming. I uh, after being a journeyman, you know, disc jockey, um, ended up uh, doing CHR in Omaha, Nebraska, which was so much fun. But I realized that I was never uh, going to make you know the kind of money that I really wanted to make um, by you know being a disc jockey because I just wasn't that good. And that's when uh, Rusty Walker actually came into my life back in, uh, must have been like 1994, I think. And uh, he had heard a tape of me from Wilmington, North Carolina, offered me a couple of jobs in what, Kansas City and Salt Lake City. And and I told him, I said, Rusty, I really want to do programming. So he got me uh, a job with J-Corps in Parkersburg, by God, West Virginia. So Randy Michaels was the first guy I ever worked with in uh as far as, uh, uh, you know, as far as uh, working for and working with Rusty Walker. So, I mean. Well, no, wait, that has to be an education. You oh. just mentioned the two words, Randy Michaels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we all know if you have had any part of his sphere of influence, you know that there is the public him, which mm-hmm. is scary or however you want to say it, whatever that is that he does. And then there's how wicked smart he was. Yeah, he, he yeah, the, he's very wicked smart, very tactical. Yeah. That was that was uh, that was Randy. Uh, so I mean, I learned a lot about tactics and stunting and and uh, just from hanging around that brain trust for a couple of years. Uh, uh, they had some really smart folks that uh, you know that worked for him. Uh, over in Cincinnati, and it was it was a it was a really good start of an education. Uh, in tactics. Uh, Do you was, think uh, he collected smart people or they were attracted to him or what happened? Uh, I, if, if he collected smart folks, he, he, he uh, made a mistake when he got me because I didn't know anything whenever I walked in there. 
Uh, but, well, may, well, let me ask you this: Did did he grow smarter people? Oh, I, I'm sure he did. Yeah, I mean, you, you almost have to. Uh, 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 hanging around him, you would just pick up a whole lot. I mean, that that's been the story of my radio career was somehow finding myself around these incredibly smart folks, and I just sit back and listen and uh, and and just soak it up. And I, I can't I can't explain it. I, I, I do believe I do believe that there's a God that opens doors and yes. guides you. And and that's the only way I can explain it, because uh, uh, when I look back at it, you know, some of the things that have happened uh, that have you know put me in different places have been just bizarre, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But it all worked out and really interesting, incredible experiences came out of them. Let's talk about the two years in Columbia, South Carolina, speaking of country music. Uh, WCOS, and then a total change out, WHKO in Dayton. Uh, this was your entry into Cox Radio, right? What was working for Cox? Was that a goal? Did you know what they were back then? What was it like stepping into Cox back then? It, you know, the interesting part about that, and this is like one of those stories that where there's, you know, there's a hand guiding, guiding things that did that I don't see guiding things, you know, That's right. because, you know, I took this stuff that I learned from Randy down to Columbia and uh, did all this stunting and tactical stuff. And, you know, we were in the paper and on TV every, uh, you know, every week, every month, there's a little story in the, uh, in the state newspaper about some kid that said he saw a uh, giant lizard man that chased him home one night. And, uh, I went straight to the GM, got the morning show together that morning and said, we, we got to you know, do so. We got to do something with this before another station goes, wow, this is gold, you know? And so we offered a million dollars, you know, for the capture of the uh, lizard man. And, you know, you know, we had, we had CBS evening news calling us. We had, uh, we were in Newsweek. We were in <laughs> all the, all the weekly tabloids. Um, I was sitting in the, the GM's office and he, and the, the secretary knocks on the door and says, uh, Jerry, Time Magazine's on the phone for you. Uh, you, you know, you've made it when that happens. So, yeah. And, and, and as you're describing this, I'm trying to imagine any modern radio corporation allowing. Yes, exactly. Any of this. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and the press used to play with you back then. I think more, you know, the TV and radio or TV and uh, newspaper used to. I think play with radio a little bit more back then. But what I did is I took all that stuff, put it together, uh, sent it to CRS for a, uh, the promotions promotion of the year contest they did. And I won the uh, media market promotion of the year. And when I was doing the, when I was doing my presentation guy in the back of the room was a guy named E Carl, you know, that name. Oh, oh, I do. And so, you know, we got together in a suite that night and he said, you know, you know, I, I, I work with some radio stations. I might give you a call. Three months later, he calls me about Cox. So that's how that all happened, which was, you know, like I say, it's like it's a little invisible hand working behind the scenes, you know. Boy, but, it is if it's E. Carl. My God. Yeah. So th- now not only do I get to work with Rusty and Randy, now I got E. Carl and I'm working with Bob Neal and uh, Chuck Browning, the GM uh, uh, in uh, Dayton, was really my mentor for um, you know, the entire time I was in Cox and uh, these were, these were brilliant people. So, you know, I, oh, I never, I'm keeping a list. Yes. I never keep like a list I, as we do this. I, I should even be in the room with these people. But, listen, but the, th- the thing was Cox was so strategic 
right? Yeah. And I had the tactical end, and now all of That's a sudden right. I've got this strategic end. So I got to further my education, you know, with this new company, you know, and it was, well, and, and it look, was great. There are times to use both. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. There are times to use both, you know. Well, I, they go I, together, I, you know. Yeah. And I, I had somebody recently – uh, much to my chagrin, ask me what strategy was. And oh, yes, okay. we were in a radio station when this occurred. Mm. And I said, well, look up Rope-A-Dope. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And then I explained how, and this is a really old story, but basically Muhammad Ali, when he was a younger man, did not, he knew that he was going to be beaten. Mm-hmm. George Foreman, because George Foreman was not the big guy with the grill. George Foreman was the guy that had these monstrous hands and he was beating people half to death. Right, right. And Muhammad Ali knew he couldn't beat him. So he came up with a strategy to have him whip himself. <laughs> and that is a great way to describe what that can be, you know. So look, just a few years after the time we're talking about here, you flipped around some call letters on us, and we find you not at WCOS, but at WSOC, which had to be a head knocker for you, because I'm sure there were times when you thought one set of call letters and were working on another. But you're in Charlotte, WSOC, whole different kind of radio station. What was Charlotte like in the early 90s? Uh, you know, that's where I screwed up. <laughs> Oh, you're familiar with Charlotte. Um, I am very familiar with that town. <laughs> the, uh, you know, I, whenever I retired, you know, the first time I, um, you know, I said, hey, you know, the, uh, you know, I work for some of the smartest people, some of the best companies. I only and I only ruined a couple of the radio stations. Uh, yeah. You know, when I said that I had SOC in mind, um, mm. because I, I kind of got ahead of myself there. I wasn't ready for that job. I don't think, you know, I, I don't think Cox was really ready for that kind of battle, you know, because right. it, it was kind of hard to turn the ship, you know what I mean? Cause it was a yeah. big ship that relied on, you know, we, you know, we relied on research to tell us what to do. And, um, uh, and it, mm. it just, it just didn't work out the way that, uh, uh, they, well, first of all, they, they had a program director there that the staff loved and, um, it was almost impossible to take his place. And, um, um, and like I say, just trying to uh, trying to defend against the attack down there was uh, was was really difficult um, in the situation that we were in. I try even tried to change the morning show on, couldn't I? Really couldn't get that done. But uh, oh. y- you know, we we were always pretty pretty soft on the uh, or pretty pretty slow on currents. I've always you know kind of been that way. That's kind of been you know the knock. You know, my, yeah, some my... of us some of us have that knock. Yeah, <laughs> when your currents. <laughs> When your currents become golds, you know, yeah. uh, they, they ride in that category that long. But, uh, yeah, it was it was just it was hard to defend. And, um, you know, after a year, year and a half, uh, the the riding was kind of on the wall there. So interesting. Uh, it was a, it was a tough battle. And I, you were over at the uh, other guys, too, I believe, weren't you? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> Rusty. Rusty. We don't have time to talk about that situation. That's for another day. Listen, I'm, speaking, speaking of Disney. I'm playing the Oak Ridge boys in their, I know. Oh, yeah. Oh, story. Yeah. So, so oh, listen, speaking story. of different, 
You mm-hmm. go from WSOC in Charlotte to, am I right about this, KBGG in San Francisco in the, in the Bay Area, right? Well, see, I actually, I, there was uh, uh, six months in between there or so, a little bit longer than that maybe, that I went up to Pittsburgh um, uh, for Intercom, which, okay. uh, which you know, Rusty, you know, kind of said, eh, and I talked to Bob Neal and he said, eh, and uh, um, because I was like, I don't know, maybe the fourth PD they had had in six months. And uh, it was just those you know, are one of those kind of things. So I, I ended up there, and uh, and from from there I went out to San Francisco. That was a job oh, that okay, every, everybody okay, wanted. I'm sorry. Yeah. So wait just a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you talk about an environment like Charlotte, North Carolina, which I do know, okay, mm-hmm. and an environment like San Francisco or the San Francisco Bay Area, which right. I know that market too, give us an idea of how different. That mm. was in terms of audience and experiences. Well, I tell you, the, the problem, I, I like markets around 50 because I know where my listeners are. You know what I mean? And right. uh, it's very, at least for me, it was difficult to get get my head around where your listeners are in a market like that, especially like San Francisco, where every station's got, you know, half a dozen translators to, you know, get oh, you yeah. through the valleys over the mountains and uh, and everything else. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was kind of culture shock. It was, it was interesting. I mean, the, you know, you know, Roxanne Miller was doing research for them uh, from the research mm. group. So, you know, we did, uh, we did some research. We, there, there, there is really no hole in the market. There was just some soft ground and, uh, and it was 70. So we, uh, we, uh, we went ahead and took that, uh, we took that route and, and I always remember this. We had a, a study came in, we were, doing a presentation and, and the, uh, the president of a shamrock, it, it was the Disney shamrock, right? Oh yes. Uh, and the president uh, of programming uh, was married to uh, the Disney daughter. And he comes to town and before the, <laughs> before the study even starts, he says, um, Hey, uh, Denise and I just bought Neil Simon's beach house and uh, you don't have any more promotion or marketing money for the rest of the year. So. Yes. <laughs> Challenge. You yeah. can kind of see the writing on the wall there. But well, Jerry, uh, I didn't get to experience the San Francisco area as a programmer. I got to experience it as the telemarketing guy. Oh. And and here's how that comes off, just so our, our listeners on the podcast can understand how complex that environment is. Yeah. Uh, where I was the chief strategist and, and involved, we had an East Coast and a West Coast telemarketing team, and we had bilingual callers which is awesome. Mm, mm. You know what? It's not awesome, Jerry. What's that? When there are six languages. Oh my. Yeah. And in the San Francisco area, there are thousands and thousands and (laughs) thousands and thousands of that. Yeah. And your bilingual don't mean nothing. So let's talk about Cox radio for a minute. Cause I know that a lot of people will focus on this area for you. Uh, at the time, you you with them, you were their country format captain. Tell us about the country stations and how it worked. Well, the um, you know, with uh, in Cox with Bob Neal, uh, uh, it, you know, you never wanted to say, you know, I feel like we should do this because you know Bob was always famous for you know saying things like. Uh, you know, we don't spend $15 million on a radio station and then just hand the keys over to the PD and say, hey, go do what, whatever feels good, whatever feels right, you know. Right. Um, 
so at every turn, you know, I mean, we tried to know what the right thing to do was and uh, kind of an RPM kind of driven situation where, uh, what is it? Uh, research equals product plus marketing equals success. You know, we tried to do it in that, in that order. Uh, so we all had marketing models, you know, each radio station. Um, you know, you had to know what your strategic posture was in your market, whether it was defense, offense, flanking, guerrilla, you know. Um, and then, of course, there were marketing warfare rules that went with each one of those positions. You know, PDs had to know this stuff. Um, yeah. We had, we, you know, who's your strategic enemy? What's your target? Uh, not your family reunion 2554 target, but what's your 15, 20 year you know, real target. Is, is it That's male? Right. Is, is it female? Uh, what are the key parameters of your radio station? What's your position? You know, is your position, is your statement, is it, is it unique? Is it, um, is it credible? Is it based on key benefits? It was, it, it was all the basics. And, and, and Bob was really big on executing the basics perfectly. You know, if the product's right, if you execute the basics perfectly, if you know what your radio station is, if you know who it's targeted to, it's kind of hard to it's it's kind of hard to uh, get beat. And so all the uh, country stations, all the stations had, you know, strategic teams and strategic marketing, uh, uh, marketing models, this sort of thing. It was it, it was an education. It was like it was like um, it was like going to college, you know. Absolutely. I always call that, by the way, gentlemen, this is a football yeah, you know, exactly. it always, yeah, it always goes back to that. When you when you get ready for execution, you just want flawless execution. Exactly. In fact, we used to we used to say if it weren't for if it weren't for the, some of the idiots in radio, it w- this would be a more difficult business. You yes, know? of course. Right. <laughs> so, look, let's talk about something that defies how it affects my heart. Let's talk about Rusty Walker. Oh, of yeah. course. Look. It's great to see that the Country Radio Seminar is doing a scholarship in his name because Rusty respected education and connection, mm-hmm. which is what this business is based on. Uh, but it, look, you really worked closely with Rusty regularly. And and I'm going to say maybe more closely than anyone else. What was that like? Uh, well, as far as a program director, maybe, I don't know. It, it was, I, I worked, I worked with Rusty from 95 onward and there was only, I think three years up until 2012 that we didn't work together. And those right. were like the three lost years for me, but he was, uh, Rusty was, was, was just great at, uh, coaching talent, um, both air talent and PDs, um, he worked with me. He used to say, if I could just teach you how to dance, I, I wish I could do a Rusty Walker impression, but I never could. Um, if I could just teach you how to dance, you know, you'd go a long way, son. You know, um, I, I told you the story of this, uh, you know, we were at one strategic meeting where, you know, I wasn't always, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't always the most personable guy. And, um, you know, I kind of uh, cut off the program director um, in mid sentence when I didn't understand what he was saying. And, and I remember, you know, Rusty, you know, at the airport on the way home, looked at me and he said, you know, he said, uh, so just tell me, how does it feel to be the smartest man in the room? And, uh, and that, that was, that's an ouch. That is a, uh, well, you knew right away, didn't you? That's a dressing down when it came to Rusty. But then after the rebuke, you know, he would explain that, you know, you weren't wrong, but you just did it wrong. You know, 
And, oh. and that's the way he would explain things. And it was, he, he was great. Just the way you decided to do that. If yes. you could have done this, the yeah. outcome would have been better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But so, his, his, his real contribution in Cox, at least for me, was his ability to solve problems, mm -hmm. you know, in, in a way that both the program directors and Bob could, could buy into. You know oh, I mean? and that's complex right there exactly. because of Bob, right? Exactly, exactly. And 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 Rusty, Rusty could explain it in a way that uh, that that you know he could get everybody on board. And and uh, and Rusty, you know, Rusty was uh, really the one guy that, at least that that I know of, that uh, that Bob would say, okay, okay, yeah, you know, well, let's try that. You know, what, what does it take for people who? happen upon this podcast episode and we're talking about all this strategic stuff and we talk about, you know, tactics and, and now we're talking about Rusty and we're talking about his skill at really nudging people to do things. Uh, my version of encouragement, if you will, you know, he, he, he was just good at that. Tell mm -hmm. us in your opinion, what makes a great coach for talent, meaning talent, and programmers, because programmers are doing more now than ever. Yeah, I tell you what, if you ever figure that out, let me know too. You know? Oh, I see. <laughs> the, the, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think really the ability not only to tell somebody that I don't like what you're doing, but explaining to them how you think it should be done, a better way to do it, without without being. Um, offensive about it without uh you know what i mean and, it's and, getting them to see a different way that they embrace it's 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 not being a boss it's being a leader it's it's not it's not it's not pulling it's not pushing them it's pulling them maybe i, I you know i don't know it's um that it's Magic. always it's always been a struggle for me because i, I used to you know i'd have you know a lot of people have told me you know you really scare people <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, mm. and, and, and I'm like, well, what do you mean? I don't understand what I, you know? Um, and, uh, 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 yeah, I think maybe that's, that's part of it is, uh, uh, is when it came to coaching talent. Um, I wasn't, I, I didn't always choose the best tact for doing that. And, and this is where, this is where Rusty, you know, this is, you know, where Rusty would always say, man, if I could just teach you to dance, you don't know how mm. to dance, you know? And uh, yeah, you know, I've, I, I have never really, I, I've mellowed, but uh, I still really don't know how to dance the way that I, I should. <laughs> well, and life is a dance and you do change and get more wisdom over time. Listen, yeah. you talked about being slow on music, right? And, and we talk about, you know, the conservative nature of Cox and that, but I, as you wash through your career here in different phases, did you? embrace social media uh yeah you know i i think so i mean i i embraced it personally and i could see the power of it for the radio station um yeah definitely i mean uh outside of uh um outside of uh any sort of strategic or tactical market you're going to do on the outside off your radio station yeah. um it, it it's obviously the most uh uh, the most, uh, I want to say inexpensive, the most, uh, the most affordable way to market to people is through social media. At least, at least it is, uh, now, in fact, it's, it's, um, 
I, I think that we've we we completely rely on that now as far as market trying to market to uh, our listeners where we've nobody wants to spend money on TV or uh, boards or anything else anymore. Well, and, and I must insert this here if I can. All marketing is not the same. All marketing is not the same. All marketing is not the same. So something that's free, something that's not as expensive may not have the same impact as something else. And this is true for boots on the ground. Uh, this is true in a lot of different ways. So look, yeah, since it, you've been it, around. It, if you want to look at, if you want to look at social, social media, I think is great for tactical marketing. I, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's great for tactics. I don't know how great it is really, for, you know, maybe for, for uh, strategic marketing. Um, I don't know. So look, look, you've been around for a long time. So I must ask, did you embrace digital right away? And did the people around you? You know, you know, I got to tell you that, that regardless what I thought about a lot of that kind of stuff, it wasn't in my hands. You know, it it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a decision that I was going to have to make. I really didn't put a whole lot of thought into it. I you know I know they're they're paying people above my head a lot of money to uh you know to make those kind of decisions, and I you know I just wanted to program a radio station, play the right music, and say the right things on the radio to get the most amount of listeners. You know, um, but yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I. You know, I would say yes, but, you know, I it's something that I, I didn't I didn't put a, a whole lot of thought into because it really anytime, wasn't my job. look, anytime there's change, people struggle with it. Mm. Right. Uh, the transitional periods of time are rough, not just in our business and a lot of different businesses. Listen, this is kind of interesting. After Cox, you became the group format coordinator for Black Crow Southern Stone. What was that experience like? And. And how different was that from your time at Pox? <laughs> yeah, uh, it was just the opposite, actually. Um, yes. Um, then being with Cox, I mean, you know, Cox was pretty buttoned down. Um, you know, and um, you know, when I first when I first you know joined Southern Stone, it was uh, it was actually Black Crow, and it was just you know it was just being uh, being taken over, I guess, or just being sold, and. Um, and, uh, you know, it's one of those situations, it was one of those situations where, you know, you kind of had the responsibility, but not the authority. And mm-hmm. there, were, there, were a, there were a lot of cooks in the kitchen and, um, and a lot of cooks that, uh, you know, that I normally wouldn't be in the kitchen with. We, you know, one, one of the cooks, one of the cooks in, in that kitchen um, who, who was kind of the classic, one of the classic rock cooks. Um, didn't think that you should have Pink Floyd in your classic rock library because they were just a bunch of hippie druggos that uh, sang depressing songs. And well, it's like, well, that's uh, <laughs> he was he was feeling something, wasn't he? Yes, evidently, but that uh, he couldn't prove. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was an interesting experience. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm I'm not gonna say you know much more than that, but. Um, uh, it, you know, it was it was uh, it was uh, it was an interesting experience, and it was uh, um, it was it was good to find uh, Cumulus after that. Put it yeah. That so so listen, you end up working for Cumulus, and you start in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Now look, pretty quickly, mm-hmm. you're moved to Savannah. I know 
you must have first, you must have eaten well in my home state of Louisiana. Go LSU. Oh, yeah. I just got to <laughs> slip that in somehow if you know me. And Savannah might have reminded you some of your time in Columbia just because of proximity, if you will. How did you like Cumulus and and how do you like Savannah? Because you're still there. Oh, yeah. Well, I, when, you know, we bought a little house on the golf course here and I measured the door. When I when I got here to make sure that the gurney could take me out um, when I yes. die here, that's that's where we're this is where we're staying. So, but uh, you know, Cumulus is different like any other company. You know that, that you work for. Every company's different. The you know the the business has changed a lot, especially since Cox. See, even within the new Cox, uh, you know, business has changed. It's and, a different uh, company. I'm sorry. It's a different company. Oh yeah, well, completely different. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything's a lot more flying by the seat of your pants, you know. But you have to adapt, you know, to the differences the best you can. In in a market like Savannah, you know, we're never gonna, you know, we're never gonna have a live local morning show. You know, we're gonna take advantage of good syndication. Um, uh, you know, we have a certain amount of freedom with the music, uh, mm -hmm. you know, as long as we can justify it. Um, but, you know, it really comes down to the basics. If, you know, knowing how to execute the basics, you know, brilliantly. Um, um, I will say, you know, everybody uh, kind of wondered, you know, why they, you know, why they hired Mary Burner as the, uh, as the CEO. Uh, because she, like, she came out of magazines, you know. Right. And uh, I got to tell you, the, like, during the pandemic, um, yeah. she, she did a great job of keeping employees through that pandemic. I mean, other companies were shedding them, you know, you, you remember those, you remember those two years? Um, oh, you know what? As a matter of fact, I have a little bit of knowledge about that. She really cared about the people that reported to her. And I mean, all the way down. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, she, she, uh, she impressed me. She really did. Um, Listen, it's so easy in our business to get caught up in the noise of how you feel about certain things mm -hmm. and truth sometimes is totally different. Well, in, in, in a lot of times you can get caught up worrying about things that you don't need to worry about, you or know, don't that, have anything to do with, right. They're focus busters. And, and, and if, I, I always hated focus busters that takes your eye off the ball because then you end up doing a lousy job where you should be doing, you know, where, where you should be executing the basics perfectly all of a sudden you're worried about something you have no you know no say so over anyway you know what i mean so yeah I, I've all right kind so of been narrowly focused you know i'm gonna turn serious on you because i know you're such a self-deprecating guy and kind of funny in a lot of ways mm -hmm. i'm just saying if you've not followed jerry on any of his social media oh my god you've missed out mm -hmm. on a lot of things that occur <laughs> Jerry, look, you, you've got all this experience, and I'm serious about this. You've seen so much change in our industry. For somebody younger than you and somebody younger than me listening to this podcast episode, what advice would you give them today in this business? Hmm. You know, um, you know, learn the basics of your job. Um, and learn to execute the basics brilliantly, whatever your, you know, those basics are. Um, yeah, it's funny. I, I was I'll tell you a little story. I was in a car with Randy Michaels in Denver when, when I worked for J Corps and, um, they had just bought KOA out there and we were listening to the radio and the jock, the jock did some old bit, you know, that 
Randy just laughed at. And somebody said, man, that's that's really an old bit. And, and Randy said, yeah, I know, but but didn't he do it perfectly? You know, and, and that's that kind of struck me. That kind of I kind of that stayed with me. Um, yeah. You know, do what you do and do it perfectly to the best you can. Look, you know, seek out and learn, you know, from smart folks, you know, listen to what they're saying. Uh, learn how to do everything, you know, uh, in your business. But just try to master one or two things that you can be famous for. I think that's that's important. You can't be good at everything, yeah. but but you can be you can be famous for one or two things. You know, Jerry, that's nice advice right there. Listen, did you ever think about making a podcast in your status as program director emeritus? Uh, you know, maybe something on perfect bacon or farming or just being <laughs> curious. What What do you think? Sounds like a lot of work to me. I mean, I see. <laughs> I still do afternoons here. You know. Yeah. Um, I. Uh, uh, you know. How much a relief is that? You're not responsible for anything except the fun drive home. Oh, I right? I sleep I sleep really good at night. I do. I mean, I mean, you know, I I I got away from radio for like six months, you know, and went to work for, um, you know, went to work for Foodline, and that was an interesting. Uh, thing for me to do. I work with a food pantry here. Everything I do, I work. I work around food for some strange reason. Well, but, well, and listen. L tell me about those experiences because it's hard for us in this business. I run into people that go, "Oh, I try to think like the listener," and it's about the last thing I want to hear because it's so hard to achieve. But when yeah. you break out of the business, or the business breaks out of you, however it happens, <laughs> and you have a period of time where I mean, it's really a perfect time to listen. Yeah, you know, it, I got to tell you, I got more out of those six months working at Foodline and getting away from radio. All of a sudden, it's it's like I got my creativity back. You know what I mean? Interesting. Uh, it was, I, I was working with, you know, I, I was working with the public, you know, I was checking out pickles, you know, and I, yeah. I would talk to, you know, I, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm a carny. I'm in radio. So I talked to everybody that came through and strike up conversations and little friendships. And and I would write about them on Facebook. And and uh, uh, it just it it ignited, you know, my my creative hunger again, you know, where I think I was I kind of felt like I was on the on the downside of the arc, you know, and mm. uh, and the. Uh, uh, this, this, it, it really helped. It really helped to move away from radio and get, and do something else. And, uh, uh, it, it was a great experience for six months. Really was. You, do you love doing afternoons? You know, I love being on the radio. It's just, it is, yeah. it is hard to get away from. It's hard to get away from because once you, you know, once you're doing what you always wanted to do as a child, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it just keeps pulling you back. They may not want you, but you want to keep knocking on the door and saying, hey, don't you need me to do this or that or the other thing? You know, I just love hanging around a radio station, you know, and and believe, believe it or not, there's still people working inside the radio station here in Savannah. So I get to hang. It's like never graduating high school. It's like still being in high school. I go see my friends every day. You know, we sit around. Yeah, yeah, we got to work. But, you know, ugh, is it really work? It's it's fun. It's fun work, you know, and um, that's that's my life now. And it's uh, and it's good. It's good. You know, hey, Jerry, this is where you have to pay for being on the episode. Uh oh, this is this is 
kind of lowering the boom. This is where you have to pay. Mm. We try to ask every one of our guests what I call the really the impossible question. Tell us what you see as the potential future of the radio business. Because people are fascinated. Nobody knows. Yeah, I know. I did. You know. <laughs> you know, I, I, I told you I took this six months off, you know, yeah. and, uh, and uh, after I retired, I went the first time, you know, to bag groceries. I, I, and I drifted away from radio a lot quicker than I kind of expected I would. Mm. Um, you know, and I worked with a lot of young folks who, who seem completely unaware of radio altogether. You know, it's just, it's just not part of their life. You know, the older folks, you know, it's a different story, but honestly, I found myself, I found myself in those six months, you know, listening a lot to uh, like iHeart seventies and eighties, classic rock, you know, vinyl, classic vinyl in my car, you know, Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, even at home, I've got a, you know, I've got a 70s Samsung G5000 hooked up to some Polk audio towers and some clip speakers. And there are a lot of people right now going, <laughs> wait, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but I, I guess the thing is, until they figure out how to make FM radio sound as good as a stream, it's, you know, it's, it's just hard for somebody who really loves to listen to music to settle for FM radio. Is, is, is that too harsh? I don't know if it is, you know, because look, radio is art and science. You hear this. I mean, look, those words are used in a lot of different industries. We're not alone. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I always separate where the rubber meets the road. So for me, when I have the musical conversations, I'm always likely to be the guy in the room that says, this ain't the art side. We're not in the music business. Mm-hmm. We're in the radio advertising business. So we use science over here mm-hmm. to well, find you, the best songs. Well, yeah, but but you would but think. But it's not. It, it's look, it's. It, it, it's it, i'm not talking about the the i'm not talking about the best songs i'm talking about no, the no, no, quality no. that's right of the no, music this is the other side hmm. radio has to be about a different experience than just hmm. the best testing songs right right so what so what hmm. i mean i i certainly am a guy who sticks up for playing the best songs but it can't just be that. No, that's true. There's no doubt about that. You, you have to, you have to be able to offer something outside of the, uh, uh, outside of the music. You, you, uh, you know, it, it used to be, and I still think it is. Being a good music host is is an important job. You know, well, but, that's but, part but, of it. But, but what that does, what what that means is, what that means is, is being able to talk about this, some stuff that's going on in the world and the community around the songs and the artist and and that sort of thing. Okay. So, but you know that if you want to control something, you homogenizing a little bit more and you kind of make everything seem the same. And one of the things about individual radio brands is that they're not the same. Mm -hmm. You need really 
established, powerful brands. It's kind of like what you were talking about with Cox back there a little bit back in this interview where you're talking about we had to know what this was and what this was and what our audience looked like and and what we were trying to do. We had to have all of these things lined out. Mm-hmm. How many radio stations you think are doing that now? Yeah, but you see, see, you also have to, yeah, you know, if I'm if I want to listen to music, that's one thing. If I want to listen to talk, then there's other options too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's in and once again, you know, I'm not sure. I'm I'm not sure if we we really find the balance anymore. We see we used to spend money to ask our listeners what the balance is with that kind of thing. But hey. We really don't do much of that anymore. That's um, right. But uh, no, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. I, it, I it, I, just simply as a listener and simply from listening to, to what uh, some of the young, younger folks, you know, talk about, if they want, if they, they all listen to podcast, right? Mm-hmm. So, so they do like to listen to talk, right? They right. like to listen to somebody talk. They don't it's talk not all much. about the seven seconds. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and they do like music, but, but it's, it's very rare to find uh, somebody who likes, uh, you know who likes the Oreo cookie? Where you've got you've got the talk and the music both uh, both together. I uh, well, we've seen examples right where there's an exceptional talent that can create something different, and that takes us back to coaching and all that other stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, and and I think a lot of it depends on target who you're talking to. I, I would, right. I, I'm sure that I'm sure that somebody's done some research on the uh, on 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 what is coming up with uh, some of these uh, some of the younger folks that don't uh, that don't, you know, really even know what radio is at this point, you know, I'll just or, tell you right now, somebody, disinterested. somebody's going to do it. It will so. become successful. And then the mm. floodgates will open to run in that direction. Yeah. Jerry, I want to thank you for being our guest today. You could not have been better, especially you're so serious sometimes, but also willing to be self-deprecating. I Am like I it. scary? Not to me, not no? at all. Okay, okay. Very difficult to scare somebody like yeah. me. I have my own problems, Jerry. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry I couldn't be more positive, um, but the... Um, um... Listen, I don't know that you can be more positive than say... Put yourself in a situation where you learn from people who are smarter than you. Oh, Try yeah. to learn your craft. Try to be really good at a few things that you can be famous for. I mean, you gave good advice during this episode. I don't want you to get down on yourself. Oh, no, no, no. I, I just mean about the future. of The future of radio is, uh, is just, just to, to me, it's really up in the air at this point. You know? Well, I think it's. Hey, we'll, we'll figure it out. We always have. But but it's well, going to be smarter yeah, I mean, than me. We had a guest on a few weeks ago, and I, I want to paraphrase what what they said that they that it hasn't been figured out yet. It's kind of the same thing you said. It hasn't been figured out yet. There is a thing that needs to occur here, and it hasn't mm-hmm. occurred yet. But you know, like you just said, radio radio will figure it out. There's a pain point where mm-hmm. the business has to turn. You know. Yep. So listen, I want to thank you for for just being open with us and and. You know, we've never had a program director emeritus on, so it's kind of a big deal for us. Uh, a program director, the what? Emeritus. Oh, emeritus. Oh, yes, yeah. That was, yeah. That was Eric Eric Mastel, the GM here, gave me that honorary title. It, it yeah. is honorary. I guarantee you, no money comes with it. 
<laughs> yeah, right. It's a radio thing. Listen, yeah. get more free resources to help your sellers with our encouraging sales success series inside the blog at RainmakerPathway.com anytime. We are here to encourage radio pros at all levels. Remember, if you know somebody that you would like to hear as a guest on the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, email me personally. Just reach out and touch me. It's great. F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. We hope you have a great week. We like to say this all the time at Rainmaker Pathway and on the Radio Rally. I still believe this, Jerry. Once you have a radio station, you can get anything else you want. If you need to know what I mean by that, call me up. I'd be glad to share it with you. We thank our special guest for this podcast episode, Jerry McCracken, Program Director Emeritus, given to him, no, no cash involved, Cumulus Savannah, Georgia, for being our very patient and giving guest. Very special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which will be available. I mean, man, he's so fast at putting this up. And of course, a thank you to just JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast. Please do share the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast with others that you know are interested in growing their careers in radio and audio Subscribe for free on Apple, Audible, Spotify, almost anywhere you get your podcast. Please remember this. If you don't remember anything from this episode, be kinder than you have to be. It's about being human. Thank you for being a part of the Radio Rally with the Encouragers. And good night.